Hello and welcome to episode 1123 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Friday, December 23rd. I'm your host, Paul Spore, joined this morning by Justin Mason. Justin, good morning, sir. I mean, if you say so. <laughs> uh, we're going to get into why it's not a great morning for you. And it was compounded by an ancillary move to the main thing that we're going to talk about. Obviously, everyone knows what we're alluding to here. But uh, how how cold is it in there in California? You guys part of the, the crushing wave of cold across the country? Uh, we have been, but it's not quite as cold because we're expecting a bunch of rain coming in. Oh, that's um, almost worse, though. It's currently 45 in my office. Okay, so that's kind of like normal December, especially this yeah. early in the morning. It's uh, 6.30 for you. Um, but yeah, we're at 14 here in Austin. And uh, oh. I mean, you know very well, as we've been friends for very long. Most people listening know your boy starts to get in some trouble at 65 degrees. So you know that I'm struggling right now. <laughs> I got to bundle up. You know, I look at the kid from uh, I look at the kid from a Christmas story, the little brother. When I take Shar and Henry out, I, you know, I'm just bundled up, and I'm like, okay, guys, let's go to the bathroom. Hurry up! It is a nightmare, and it's the wind. It's always the wind. I can deal with weather, even as well as like I don't know, 45. As long as I got I'm appropriately dressed. I don't mind even when it's cold, as long as it's not blistering wind. But people don't want to hear me complain about the weather. They want to hear you complain about Carlos Correa. So let's get into it. We're going to talk about some moves. Not It's not a whole moves show because there's only been a few. Uh, but then we're going to play a little, little game here called Gift or Coal. Kind of made it up, obviously related to the holiday season. And I want to know how you feel about these uh, six youngsters who just did not pan out this year. But obviously they have high acclaim, prospect pedigree. And I wonder if you're still in on them. But let's start with the saga. I could not believe it. The Carlos Correa situation is part of what, uh, you know, the fun of staying up late sometimes is when stuff like that happens. But lately, I've been an early bird. I've been going to bed regular adult times, getting up early. I was I was sound asleep. Jen actually, uh, you know, woke up in the middle of the night. She was restless. She's checking her phone, and because of my sphere, she has a lot of baseball stuff in her feed. And she's like, "This seems insane," and uh, so she saw it before me. So she like, uh, you know, tweets me to see in the morning, like, "Hey, wake up! Crazy stuff going on." Carlos Correa, not a giant, and goes to the Mets. So the timeline of this was: Giants canceled the, the uh, announcement, postponed it. People were looking for reasons. I saw one thing floating around. Y'all, there was like a some small earthquake in California and they were trying to relate it to that. But everyone, I don't know where the earthquake was, but people were like, no, yeah, it no. was nowhere near that. It wasn't that. And uh, little did we know that it wasn't just postponed. That shit was canceled. Your boys got cold feet and Carlos Correa wasted no time. You guys don't want me? Boom. Middle finger. See ya. Call up the Mets. Gets the deal done instantly. One year less. A little bit different on the terms. What was your first thought when you saw this? And were you up when it happened? Did you see it? Oh, you did, because I had a G-Tag yeah. from you in the morning, too. Yeah. I. So, I, so what do you I, think? I was just getting home from a holiday event. We took our kids to go to, like, the Polar Express train. Um, and, uh, you know, it was 1 o'clock in the morning, and I was, you know, about to go to bed, said to be up super early for work and stuff, and saw it, and I was like, what the hell is going on? Like, um, I mean, obviously, we had heard throughout the day that, like, there was, you know, some sort of issue with some medicals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it clearly was not the earthquake. Um, that, <laughs> that earthquake was not, I mean, it was a big earthquake, but it was not anywhere close to San Francisco. Yeah, that that was the thing. And I'm not trying to minimize the earthquake. Like I said, I, I'd only seen that in passing, but then I saw other Californians saying it's nowhere near that. That's not no, what it is. I mean, th- this would be, like, states away if we're talking, like, on the East Coast. Like, yeah. this is not, yeah. like, close We, we both have that uh, with the states we live in where, um, you know, they're giant. So yeah. it, 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 what, what would be, like you said, three, four states away in the Northeast Corridor is uh, still yeah. in California. This, this so, was a few hundred miles away. It's not like. So let me rewind real quick. When it got canceled, what was it, what was your initial thought when the meeting got canceled, when the rollout? I thought that there was, you know, obviously there was, you know, kind of rumors that there was a medical issue or a disagreement on one of the medicals. And I went, oh, man. This isn't this 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 is potential to end really poorly because you were concerned immediately. Yeah, because Boris doesn't renegotiate stuff. Like, That's the thing too, and you know yeah. that like he, he's basically like, oh, you you're gonna do this to us? We're gone, and that's exactly yeah. what happened. And um, 
and so like I at first I was all like, you know what, I'm fine with this. We talked about it on the last episode. I wasn't super happy about uh about the signing to begin with. I thought it was really long. I don't love Korea's track uh, health track record. And I went, you know, what? this is my organization being smart again and you know and uh making sure they're not getting stuck with a 13-year contract that's gonna be bad after five years or something like that. Uh of course, the way it went down, and now that we know, I mean, we don't know everything, obviously. No. But what we what it sounds like is that it was the 2014 ankle injury, which is absurd. That's the most absurd part. And uh, as much as I know, like initially everybody blamed Correa, it's clearly that the, the Giants ownership or Giants management getting cold feet and uh and this is a really really bad look because now like what major free agent you know is going to want to come there and sign a deal with this kind of bullshit hanging over their heads and exactly uh this is an organization because especially because of the park they're in and california taxes that have had issues signing major free agents especially offensively um and this doesn't make it any better no, this is awful. Uh, I was I was hanging out with uh, Eno and uh, and uh, DVR last night. Um, uh, yeah, uh, baseball pods. Chris was uh, in town, and so we cool. got together. Uh, and Eno said, "Like this kind of signing is awful because it was it was supposed to set up the next signing, right? This was exactly supposed to be the, it's the, the foundation." Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Oh man, he's you know right." I hate it when he knows, right? Especially about something like this. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, this is just a huge bummer for the organization, for the fans. Um, and the signing that they have now done literally a few minutes ago, uh, it was announced. Well, they uh, say does not the make it any better. Oh, no. Oh, no. oh, okay. I thought that was going to save the offseason. So, yeah, Correa, like, we'll let's finish on Correa and then we'll get into the Conforto signing. This, that's the worst part of this, of course, is that there's nobody left. Um, I asked you, you know, on Monday, would you rather have the Dansby signing? You're like, yeah, absolutely. Just yeah. the term and the length. If he had still been there and you did this with Correa, sure, then you pivot to him. And I, I don't want to say, like, everything's fixed, but you'd have felt a lot better, right? The Giants fans would be like, okay, we got Dansby. It's a different term. It's not as long. It's a lower tier of player in terms of uh, the track record, but he's stayed a lot healthier. He's a very good player. And I think a lot of Giants fans would have satiated themselves with that and said, okay, but there's nothing left that can really uh, change the team. I mean, the only way that you guys are going to do this here is if you sign like three or four more guys, you know, Eovaldi, Segura, uh, I don't even know who else is. Those are only two that, again, are projected over Corey two more. Kluber. Yeah, yeah, Corey. I mean, you know, bringing like five, six guys maybe, and then try to get lucky. But this is bad. Um, but for Correa, it's not so bad. He goes to the Mets. He goes to this stacked lineup. Park not necessarily doing him any favors, but we knew it wasn't going to do him any favors for the Giants either. This one is worse. The City Field is worse. But where do you stand on Correa, especially under the no- notion that he's almost certain to get third base eligibility? Because Lindor's not coming off short. So he's either going to get third or second. We know we would prefer third because third is a nightmare. And I think with his arm and overall defense, I think Correa at third makes a ton of sense. So how do you feel about him now going to the Mets? Yeah, they already announced he's going to. He's gonna okay, they did third, announce so, it. Okay, yeah. cool. um, I was surprised. No, I mean, obviously, this well, is yeah. more- this was an organization uh, that is okay with spending money. Um, yes, they are in a big way, in a in a huge way. Uh, but uh, I just you know, I was surprised that one he wanted to play third base or was willing to play third base. I guess you know three hundred fifteen million dollars will make you do a lot of things True. you may not have considered uh, other places. Hey, Machado moved there. You know, maybe yeah. he sees Machado as as kind of a uh, predecessor to this. Where hey. He's very capable of playing short. If anything ever happens to Lindor in a given season, he's going to shift right over, easy peasy. Um, but it's not like you can't be a, a, a badass playing third base. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the park move, yeah, I mean, it's definitely uh, – it hurts a little bit, but um, he actually would have had 25 home runs opposed to 22 uh, he had in 2022 uh, in, in city as opposed to somewhere else. So, Because – well, here's the thing um, – 
from going from the Giants to the Mets is a bigger hit than going from the Twins to the Mets. And of course, he never played with the Giants. So mm -hmm. going from Target Field to Oracle was actually a little bit of a jump for Correa. Um, now this is more of a neutral move and in fact a little bit of a homer plus where uh, Target Field's right-handed park factor is an 87, whereas City Field's is a 95. So it's actually a little bit of a boost. Nothing crazy like you saw. You said he would have a few more extra homers. Neutral. I'm, I'm not too worried about this move from Target mm -hmm. to uh, City for Correa. I think he'll be fine. I'm not worried about that. Yeah, but I mean, the real plus is like you mentioned, he's going to get third base eligibility. It's a position that's got some real, real clear weakness to it. Uh, so I think it's going to be really, really nice uh, for him and for for fantasy. Uh, that offense is going to be great around him. It's be a lot uh, more similar to uh, what he had in Houston before going to Minnesota. So, uh, you know, good for him. He got paid. He still got his bag. Yep. Uh, and yeah, a bummer for my team. Yeah, it really is. But again, off-season saved because Michael Conforto, baby, coming in on a two-year deal. Literally Unreal. Just happened Unreal. Like How do you go around and 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 use a 2014 injury for Correa as a reason to back out? And, and if they want to pretend that this is the reason, then we're going to hold them to the objective. You and I believe they just got cold feet. And I think yeah. we're 100% right. But let's go with their story. 2014 injury, big problem. But you signed Michael Conforto. It's not to a 13-year deal. I understand that. So it's not a one-to-one. -one. But if you're if you're all meticulous on these injuries right now, how the hell is this the guy you end up with whose uh, health was lied about, by the way? And what's interesting is, isn't he also a Boris guy? So I guess they didn't yeah. fracture the Boris relationship to a full degree. But it's a I feel like they had to do this in order to repair it. To keep him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's that's actually a good point for that next move, whatever it may be. And I, I don't know what next year's free agent class looks like. But to, to kind of keep him in the good graces, they give Conforto a 236. And I, again, I don't think it's just because of that. They also need players. And he can be good. But it's been a while since we've seen quality Michael Conforto. Um, I mean, 2020, but that was a 54-game season. The last full season that we saw was 2019, of course, and he was quite good. Uh, 2021, he was pretty mediocre. Uh, in fact, a 100 OPS plus on the button in 125 games. Conforto's a good player. I like him, but missed all of 2022, missed 40 games in 2021, or close to, rather, um, 30, 37. How do you feel about Conforto going over to your Giants now? This is such a weird signing. Like, I mean, I guess he's like among the best free agents left, and they're just trying to like show that, hey, you know, we we're we're still planning on spending money. You get messed up already. Like, don't like compound one problem with another problem. Mitch Haniger um, was their other big signing, by the way, too. And you know, yeah, he's had, he's had some fluke injuries to where, like, I'm not saying. He's super chronic, but, you know, he's had some injuries, too, and he's not young. So they got two injury guys that they signed while complaining that the, the best of the bunch was too injured to, to the, sign. There are four outfielders, you know, four main outfielders uh, currently are Mitch Hanniger, Mike Ustremski, Michael Conforto, and Jock Peterson. This is not a good super defensive outfield. Yeah, great, like, great defense. Yeah. Um, and I mean, thankfully they've got what looks like some depth now because they're going to need it with their injury track records. Um, I, I don't know. Like it's, we don't know what Conforto is at this point. Uh, that's, that's like, true. And, um, he could not have picked the worst park to go to. I'm sure this was just the best dollar amount. Absolutely. Um, and he's hoping to just kind of revive his, uh, I can't believe he got this amount, but, um, good for him on that, you know, uh, yeah. what is that? 18 mil per, um, yeah. He can certainly earn it. Michael Conforto is a good hitter. And if, if he is healthy after missing the entire year, there's something there. Now, in five DCs, uh, draft champions are going to start perking back up because the Gladiator first run, and I don't know if there's going to be a second run, but it has a little one next to it, which makes me think there might be a second run in a while. But those are all filled up. So maybe we're going to see some DCs get back going and get that ADP uh, more robust. But there's only been five DCs in December. Conforto is the 55th outfielder off the board at pick 247. How does that suit you? He's going around guys like uh, Benintendi, Gavin Lux, his new teammate, Jock Peterson, Randall Grichuk. Uh, is that the right range for him? Uh, would you take him in that area? Where are you at in Conforto, given his draft price right now? 
And considering I think it's probably going to go up after, you know, now that he's signed and stuff. Yeah. Uh, not super thrilled about it. Me neither. Because uh, it could go up. I mean, I, I could see it with some believers. I could see it going up at least around maybe two. I, I think there's a 15 to 30 pick jump possibly here. Yeah, I, I agree. And I just, I like I said, I, I just don't know what he is. I mean, like, you know, is he going to be the same guy we saw you know, prior, right prior to the injury, is it going to be, you know, a lesser version? Like, he's probably not going to run at all. Uh, and so you really need him to power. Now he's in a park that suppresses power. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, he's probably not going to end up on any of my teams. I just don't see it happening. I'd be surprised if I was taking much Conforto myself. Um, he's just such an unknown. And whatever range he's in, whether he stays in this range or moves up, there's just guys I like more than Conforto. I, I just I'm gonna be surprised if I find myself really wanting to draft him at all. So it'll be a wait and see thing. Yeah, and I'm, I'm fine to lose on him if somebody else gets a win. If he moves up, let's say 30, 40 spots, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, wouldn't you rather take the risk on Cody Ballinger? Absolutely. You know, or Brandon Nimmo or Lars Newpar or Alex yeah, Verdugo. All of those guys. Uh Brian De La Cruz, like. Yeah, I'm gonna probably rather gonna, take Brian De La Cruz even. Yeah, I, I so I just I mean, even guys like you like you mentioned guys going behind him like Ben Attendee, I think I'd rather have um I think Austin Hayes, Randall Grichuk, Brandon Marsh, like Trent Grisham. Like I think I'm I think I'm taking all those guys. Yeah. I, I I'm having a hard time quitting Grisham. <laughs> I'm still taking it, man. I feel like the price is right mm-hmm. to take the shot. So uh, you know, I, I hope. We'll, we'll certainly see. Um, so that's the Conforto move. Let's go on to some more positive moves here. Let's start with Brandon Drury to the Angels. I like this. This got lost a bit in the Correa shuffle. This was the morning that everyone was, by the way, it was so fun to see uh, certain people just waking up. Not, it, it was, it's some, you know, uh, East Coasters maybe wake up late and saw it, but it usually kind of travels across the country. You can see mm-hmm. your East Coast friends see it, then your Central, and then your West Coast friends uh, waking up saying, what happened? Uh, but lost in that shuffle was Brandon Drury getting a two-year, $17 million deal. Very friendly deal. I'll take that 10 out of 10 times over the Conforto deal, two for 36, uh, to go to the Angels. And this is a solid move. He's back in a hitter-friendly park, sixth overall, seventh in homers for righties. And that lineup is starting to look pretty nice. Now they they have to find health, right? Any lineup does, of course, but this one in particular has had health concerns. Uh, obviously, Trout, Rendon, uh, Taylor Ward, uh, when he got hurt last year, he, when he, he was playing through it, it was not going well. And Otani obviously needs to stay healthy. But again, Ward, Trout, Otani, Rendon, Renfro, Drury, and then even the bottom third of the lineup, Walsh, Ohop, and Renhifo. I, I worry about Walsh a bit, but he's your seven hitter. You're not you're not having big expectations on him. I like this move for Drury. I'm in. What do you think? Yeah, and I mean, even with Walsh like having some real question marks coming off the injury, being and potentially being a June guy, like they've got Urshela and David Fletcher, you know, both on the bench. I forgot uh, about Urshela. Yeah, and, and so. Drury can just go to first if Walsh is a problem and Urshela's mm-hmm. on the field. Yeah, so they have depth now too. That's a great call. I totally forgot yeah. about Urshela. I'm sorry, Ursh, that's my guy. Yeah, so I mean, I I almost wonder if they're going to trade somebody from the offense uh, away for some maybe for some more uh, bullpen help or something. Uh, yeah, I I think this is a really really good move for him. Uh, I really I, I like that he got what looks like a full time role. I think that yeah. was the big question on Brandon Drury was, is he going to you know are people going to buy into the one year sample and go. Exactly. Hey, this guy's a full-time player, or was he going to be a super utility guy, kind of like he started um, in Cincinnati before he started to break out? So uh, good on him. I think he is a really interesting guy because of multi-position eligibility. Mm-hmm. Uh, the park uh, isn't necessarily great for righties, but it, no, it is. Oh, it is. Okay, I absolutely. It yeah, it, it, it's a good park. I mean, it's not Cincy. Uh, since he's, you know, up there on a par with, with Colorado, to be honest, it's not that far off Colorado. It's better for home runs, by, by the way, than Colorado. Mm-hmm. 145 park factor to 121. But the Angel Stadium is 112. No? Okay. And that is the seventh park factor for righties over the last three years for home runs. And the overall park factor is 103, which puts them fifth. 
So our sixth, rather, I like Angel Stadium for him. It, we know that it's gotten better for lefties, but it's pretty good for righties too. And we saw, you know, like when he went to San Diego from Cincy, he became more of a league average guy, which that was still fine, especially because Brandon Drury is not an expensive player in, in the market. But now that he goes back to a, a hitter-friendly park, first, second, third eligibility, he's a pick 190 in these five DCs. I think even with the price raising, even if you put him more, let's say let's say 160, let's go two rounds up, he'll be going around the likes of A. Eugenio Suarez, Anthony Rizzo, Matt Chapman. I think Brandon Drury belongs in that group, and I have no problem with that. Yeah, I do not think he belongs in that group. Uh, Why not? With Rizzo and who was the other name that you mentioned? Suarez and Chapman? Yeah, no, I don't think he belongs. I don't mm-hmm. What's so special about that group that Drury can't do? They're, they're established. Like this, they they're this is what they oh, do is established. established as, as as bad though, or, or flawed, I should say, not bad. I mean, like, like they're I all love, flawed at this you know, at that point in the draft. It's just a matter of picking your flaws that you're willing to deal with and the ones you're not. Um, you know, and I, I guess Drury's main flaw is like he just hasn't done this before. Like you know, and that's that's really it. Yeah, because I mean, Suarez and Chapman are remarkably volatile. Absolutely. And like Rizzo, well, I, I can sure you're going to get a fair amount of power. Um, I think you're going to get that from jury too. Like that's what he does. I think he absolutely fits in that group. So if he's up there, I'll take him, especially with the triple eligibility kind of offsets some of the lack of track record. He's a much I, better batting average guy than all three of those, at least last year, you know, we'll see what he does. Right. I, I it's hard to project him because he did play 92 games in Cincy that really, really inflated his numbers. And then, like I said, he was pretty pedestrian um, as far as the triple slash when he went to San Diego, 238, 290, 435 with eight homers. But again, getting back in a hitter-friendly park, I think he's going to be a plus bat, triple eligible. I think he can hang with this group. And he's not even there yet. That's if he moves up there. Yeah. Um, we, we don't know the effects of the signing yet. I decided to move him two rounds. If he just moves one round and it's more like the 175 range, then you're talking Alec Bohm, Cabrian Hayes, Brandon Lau. I think he fits in that group too. I, I'm fine with Drury. I, I really like Drury. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I like him too. I just I hope he doesn't go up too much. Maybe there's... I think you're right that like this move is really over, overshadowed, definitely, um, because of the Korea stuff. So maybe he doesn't move up as much as tradi- uh, traditional uh, free agent signing would. That'd be great. Now, speaking of Drury, I think this guy has a great shot to go Drury next year. His former teammate is going to go out to Cincinnati. Will Myers signing with the Reds? We we know the question here. It's health. That's it, right? The talent is yeah. not really in question. And again, you take what he's done uh, as a Padre and you put it in that park. And if he finds some health, again, I think he, he can grow, go Drury on the league and really be awesome. Will Myers, do you want to talk afterthought in the draft world? Nobody, nobody out there trying to get Will Myers. Pick 467 in these five drafts. Obviously, that's going to go way up. I think that can go up 100 picks, to be honest. He has first and outfield eligibility. Let's put him at the 350 range and see who's in that area there. 350 is, you're talking about like Avisel Garcia, uh, Leody Tavares, Jerkson Profar, not a lot of power. Oh, Mark Canha. So you got Avi, Votto, Mark Canha, Will Myers. That's at 350. That'd be a 100 pick jump for Will Myers. I certainly would have no problem with him being in that area if if he jumps up that high. That's an aggressive push, but I do think that there's going to be some love for this move in Cincy. And uh, Will Myers will jump, and I'll pay it. I, I, I'm excited. Yeah, I absolutely will pay it. This is like the perfect fit for him. Like this is one of your guys too. I know you've, yeah. you've drafted him a lot in the past. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he's one of those guys that his batting average really fluctuates, kind of year to year, and you know whatever his Babbage doing. Uh, since that is going to be good for that. Uh, so I like that. I actually kind of like that top half of the Cincinnati me, lineup. Me too, man. They got some of my faves there. They got Stevenson, Fraley. I'm in on Myers. I think India can bounce back, and he's at a fair price. Um, haven't you been talking up some TJ Friedel? Or yeah, yeah, that's my boy. So, yeah, so um, Friedel and Fraley, we, we we like the two FR outfielders out there. Um, I, I like some of the things they're doing with this lineup. I even think Spencer Steer's kind of an interesting deep leaguer as well. So I'm with you on the mm-hmm. Reds, and that park is amazing. Again, I was just telling you, it's basically like Coors Jr. for righties. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, it's, you know, when we were at the uh, at first pitch 
Arizona, uh, Rob Silver was talking about like why, you know, since the DH has been added to the National League, why the National League's actually become the hitters league as opposed to the American League. Yep. Uh, and it's largely because of Coors in Cincinnati. Like everything's Absolutely. pretty much equal. And then you add those two in um, and that gives uh, American League hitters a pretty big boost. National League hitters. Nat- or sorry, uh, National League hitters a pretty big boost. And that means National League pitchers are, are taking a hit. Uh, and, and we used to favor them with no mm-hmm. DH, right? Like your tiebreaker between an AL and NL guy was always the NL guy, no DH. And now that's that's flipped a bit. That's a, that's a great mm-hmm. call out by Rob. Uh, so yeah, I like this Will Myers move. It did have to facilitate a DFA. And this was a surprising one, at least in terms of name. When you kind of look at the track record and everything, I don't think people are that surprised. But I think you even had missed this one coming across the wire yesterday. Mike Moustakis, DFA'd. Um, b- just a brutal last couple seasons 62 and 78 games respectively 69 and 76 wrc plus you don't really want your wrc plus matching your games played unless you're well over 100 games um because that's really rough he's gonna be 34 and we're a good bit removed from good moustakas which is 2019 he was above average in 2020 for the shortened season but that's a tiny sample What's up with Moose, and are you are you interested if he lands somewhere neutral or better as far as the park? Because he's obviously leaving a great park. What do you think of Moose? Is he cooked? I don't know that he's cooked. I mean, he obviously needs to find health. I think if he lands a full like deal somewhere, I'll be interested. Um, That's literally uh, the best park he could have played in, though. It's, yeah. it's the number one but, park for lefties, even above Coors. But, I mean, he played you know the majority of his career in Kansas City um, and – which is one of the worst parts you can hit in. Yeah. Oh, when and he's he healthy, like, his power play is fine. Yeah. yeah. So like, I'm not super worried about it. It's just a matter of, is he going to find a full-time role or is he going to be in some sort of platoon or timeshare? Um, I prefer him to just go back to third base full-time because uh, I think, you know, the position switching isn't doing his body any, uh, any help. Uh, hey, maybe my Giants might be interested they like these injury tracker guys apparently um Honestly, and now they, they don't, don't have Correa to play third base so it makes a lot of sense come on um, down mike moustakas I've, I've always liked moose uh he's always been a nice fantasy player because i think even at his best he was never particularly overpriced uh mm-hmm. you know those three years when he was like a real power stud 38 28 35 homers we're a long way removed from that. Like I said, 2019 was the last time he was a fantasy stud. We'll see where he lands. I think I think wherever he lands will probably look like it's going to be a platoon to start with the opportunity to kind of play his way out of it. Um, I don't think it's going to be an expensive draft cost. Are you taking Moose in like a, a DC right now? I mean, he's a pick 630. Like that, that is nothing. That's literally one of your last picks. I'm not touching him until he signs. Okay, yeah, because that's a 42nd-round pick, and I'm still not really interested. I agree with you. So we'll stay tuned on that. But for now, Mike Woodstock is DFA, and I don't think you need to worry about drafting him. All right, let's talk. Uh, let's play a little, little game, a little made-up game here, Gift or Cole. And uh, pretty straightforward here. Got six players, youngsters, that very disappointing last year. They were hyped, had expectations. And I could have picked uh, any number of guys here. I just kind of plucked six from a group of uh, basically – what I was looking for was 24 or younger, 200 or fewer played appearance or 200 more played appearances of a uh, below average bat. So 99 or lower OPS plus that returned a sample of 23 guys. And I, I selected six here that interest me. And I want to see how you feel about them going forward, because as we've talked about many a time on this show, the fantasy community just overreacts to a prospect who does not pan out immediately. They get dumped. You're done. You are a piece of garbage. You're not a good player. Bye. And uh, they become potential bargains, especially if you still believe in them. Let's start with C.J. Abrams, the first of these, and the most expensive, I believe. He's up at pick 226, which is not dirt cheap, but it's also not particularly expensive. It is in that gamble area where uh, you're hoping to pan out on some on some big breakouts. He's with the Nats after the Soto trade. Um, playing time should be completely unencumbered for him. We have him batting second right now. He's a speed demon who is expected to be able to develop into some pop down the road. I don't think it'll be this year or anything, but can he be a good enough batting average and speed guy to where you like CJ Abrams? Is he gift or Cole at pick 226? I think he's a gift. Um, I'm surprised he's going as high as he is. 
uh, considering how awful kind of uh, 2022 was for him. I think it's However, speed. Yeah, it, it is the speed. Um, but I, I, I just think, one, you get the speed. I don't think he's a zero on the power. I think, uh, especially in Washington, which is, you know, usually been a pretty good park to hit in. He's going to mm-hmm. hit high up in the lineup. Uh, you know, I wish he had uh, been able to keep the second base eligibility, but I think, you know, being just shortstop is fine. Uh, he made really good zone contact and it improved once he got to Washington. His main issue is he has no real eye for the strike zone. Um, yeah, or at least not shown that at the major league level. Uh, and unfortunately, uh, that is going to catch up to him in terms of the batting average if he continues to be this way. We're talking like a 1.7% walk rate in 2022. Um, you know, he was swinging outside of the zone over 45% of the that, time. That's what I was going to bring up. That was devastating. Yeah. If you do the uh, 300 plate appearance threshold here, CJ Abrams was 12th in yeah. O swing rate at, at 44%. Yeah. So, uh, you know, who knows how much of it is? Hey, he's just young. He's he's just, he's overly aggressive, uh, but you know he's a guy that throughout the minor leagues has not really been a, like a big walk rate guy. He's got you know not one sample of like eight percent, but other than that, it's been five six percent um, walk rates in the minor leagues. So I I believe that he has a lot of potential. I'm willing to take some calculated dart throws on teams that I feel are fairly safe already. Uh, He's not a guy that like, I want to add to an already risky team because I think the floor is uh, back to the minors. So absolutely. You could, you could literally get nothing from him. And CJ Abrams skipped triple A to get to the majors, by the Mm -hmm. way, like when he broke camp, he hadn't played triple A yet. He only played 38 triple A games this year, only 42 and double A. Like he's very, very raw. And he's kind of learning on the job. And in Washington, there's a chance for that to continue. But that could mean some rough fantasy output. He's a guy I'm reluctant to give up on. I think even a a dud this year would still make it tough for me to give up on him because he's just going into his age 22 season. And so, you know, I think if we see some progress this year, there'll be a lot. It it, it will be – I think – I like his projection. 11 homers, 17 steals with a 95 WRC plus for Abrams. I could totally see that. I, I could too. Like if he was if he had not come up to the majors last year and he had just done what he did in the minors, he'd be going where Corbin Carroll is going this year. Like he would be a top hundred, you know, hundred and twenty pick. Um, because people are like, well, look, he's got past playing time. Uh, he you know has uh, you're, all these. You're, you're saying if you extrapolate his AAA sample over a full season, yeah, has- yeah. If yeah, he, I mean, he, he had seven homers with 10 steals in 30 games. So if he'd have, you know, kept that sort of pace, it was a 116 yeah. WRC plus and just had a huge triple A season. You're saying the stock on Abrams would have been would have been sky Every, high. Yeah, everybody would be going crazy about, you know, the next, you know, Bobby Witt Jr. or whatever to come up uh, because of that. And so because he comes up and has a, you know, 90 game sample at the majors that suck, um, People, you know, drop him almost 200 spots in the ADP. So, yeah. fine. You know, I'll take that discount. I'll take the gamble. Yeah. If you're willing to take gamble on, on guys going super, you know, going super high that have, you know, barely played in the majors or not played in the majors, I'm looking at you, Gunnar Henderson and, and Corbin Carroll, um, then you should be willing to take a shot on C.J. Abrams. Yeah, I don't think because Abrams struggled this year that, that the book is any more written on him than it is Gunner or Corbin Carroll. I think that's a fair point. Spencer Torkelson, gift or coal? Rough, rough, rough debut season. 404 plate appearances of a 76 WRC plus, just eight homers. It included a demotion, you know, one of those get your head right type of uh, demotions. He came back. I don't think he was all that much better after the uh, after the return. He's around pick 296 in these last five uh, draft champions drafts. Is that gift or coal at 296 for Spencer Torkelson? I think it's a gift um, because of of where he's going. Um, Yes. And I feel like the Tigers should give him kind of free playing time and passes to like. I think they will. And the only reason they sent them down is it just got so bad that it was like, 
just go down to the minors and feel what it's like to to not be terrible. And frankly, he wasn't even that good in that sample. Mm-hmm. Um, he took a bunch of walks. You know, his walk rate got back up to fifteen percent, but he had two twenty nine, three forty eight, three eighty nine down there. The power really wasn't there. I don't know if he had nagging injuries or anything. I don't know. It was a it was a really rough season for the twenty two year old. And it's not just because I'm a Tigers fan, but I'm just not going to write him off based on this. And going around pick 300, I don't think there's a premium to take another shot on Spencer Torkelson. So I'm in too. It's it's a gift for me at that price. I like him as my corner or util. And uh, let's see what we got here. Obviously, if he flops again this year, then we start to reassess. But it, it was a flop rookie year. There's no two ways around it. But I'm not out on I'm not out on Tork. The hard part is the other first baseman going behind him. I mean, you what got. Do you got? Uh, all right, who'd you rather have, uh, Torkelson or Jared Walsh? I'll go Tork because of Walsh's health concerns. Okay, what about Isaac Paredes? Triple eligible Isaac Paredes. What's his playing time looking like? Probably the same as it was last year, which is going to be good in moments and sporadic in others. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to cop out a little bit and say team construction would decide that more. If I'm looking for the volume, I'm going to still lean torque. But if I'm like, hey, give me just the best pound for pound bat, I, I, w- I would take Paredes there right now. Um, and then Juan Yepes. Oh, man, I'm a Yepes guy. Going pretty much the same spot as Torkelson. But also not guaranteed for playing time, right? Yeah, he, exactly. He's not penciled in. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. Well, he's penciled in at DH right now. So we'll see if that stick, but that has Gorman on the bench and Paul mm-hmm. DeYoung on the bench. And I'm not sure if the, if either of those things, and I know Paul DeYoung's not great, but the Cardinals have stayed pretty committed to it. How dare you? He only played 77 games last year because he was so bad. I did not realize how bad Paul DeYoung was he last year. He got sent down to minors. 55 WRC plus. Oh my, my, my WRC God. plus is higher. Right? I'd draft you over DeYoung for sure. So yeah, maybe Gorman takes the episode. So to answer that one though, I'm going to go Torque. I'm gonna stay committed on Torque here. I like Yepes. I'll, I'll have I'll have shares of both, hundred percent. Yeah, I probably have shares of both too. I think he kind of that tier offers like the last really good first base, good enough first baseman for to be drafted. So, um, you know, and, and then you start getting to the Will Myers, the world, and the well, the I think I think he belongs in that group too right now. Yeah, I because of where he landed. Um, I know he wasn't up there, but based on on the Cincy move, he'll be up there. But then who's after that? Like Lamont Wade, Brandon Belt, Nick Prado. Yeah, that, that there's Bobby the drop back. Yeah. So can, can we do a quick pivot on Prado real fast? I didn't put him yeah. on Gifter Cole because uh, he didn't it, meet it's the thresholds. I, and that's I, I I think it might be man. I, I'm really in on Vinny P. You know, we talked Vinny P. Up last year, he came. He, he really did a lot this year. They've got the two guys. There was concerns like, is Prado going to be ahead of him because of the prospect pedigree and being on the forty and all that? Pasquantino was awesome, and he's he's going to be the dude. Are you concerned about Prado? He had an eighty-two WRC plus, which again we're giving passes here on guys that that didn't exactly perform, but it was a thirty-six percent K rate. That's a little bit alarming. You said Cole already, but you're out on Prado right now. Um, I mean, it depends on what you mean and like out, like, uh, would I draft him in a DC? Yeah. I might take a dark throw. Like, would, I you, just, would you rather him but, or Kyle Manzardo with Tampa Bay? An interesting prospect who, uh, tore the cover off the ball in the minors. I think. Oh, that's really tough. I think I would lean Prado just cause I, believe he might get more playing time than Manzardo. Like what, what about G-Man Choi in Pittsburgh? Who has? No, I'll, I'll take Choi. I'll take him on that front side platoon. Yeah. Even even knowing he's a platoon guy, I'm, I'm taking Choi. I think Choi's yeah. an interesting, especially in DCs. I mean, he's pick 500. He's he's very, very yeah. cheap. But for that context of that league, I like Choi. What about Dahlbeck? You know where I'm going on that. But yeah, no, Prado not, or Dahlbeck, I, you're, you're going Prado? I'll, I'll go Prado. Okay, uh, yeah. I mean... If I'm having to make these decisions, things have not gone well in my draft. Like that. Well, at that point, you're just picking depth, right? Yeah, like, but like, there's so many guys like that I really like at first base going ahead of them. Like, true. And you don't want to be like, I- I'm with you. I don't really want to be taking like crusty first baseman down there. I want to be taking like middle infielders or or like more high upside dart throws. And I think Prado yeah. is the best of that bunch, unless we get. 
um, indication that Manzardo has like a, a path to playing time, which right now I'm not sure he does. Although we have we have um, Jonathan Aranda penciling in at first, who I'm actually intrigued oh, by I as love, well. Uh, I, yeah, I, I like him too. Dude can hit. Uh, but Manzardo, if, if you're if folks aren't familiar with him, had a killer 2022 at high A and double A, just absolutely <laughs> tore the cover off the ball. But it was high A and double A, so he hasn't yeah. even hit triple A yet. That's why it's tough to and know. It's the Rays, it's just exactly. so hard to believe that he's gonna yeah. be up that, that quick. So I feel you on that. But anyway, Nick Prado, we're not as keen on. Um, let's continue on our gift for Cole here and talk about Jesus Sanchez. Now, he was somebody I really liked coming into the season last year, and if I recall correctly, let me look at his numbers. I want to say he started off pretty solid he's like oh hey things are going all right here this is uh this is why i drafted him i like this guy uh yeah big, big april 839 ops with three homers and uh he never reached those heights again i mean he had a better september from a uh ops standpoint but it was 18 plate appearances so he peaked in april and went steadily downhill from there um his next four months he eclipsed 650 ops just once and it was a 704 bottom line it was a tough season for Jesus Sanchez with the Marlins. I believe that it also ended up in a in a demotion at one point. Mm -hmm. 93 WRC plus, 13 homers in 343 plate appearances, 27% strikeout rate, 8% walk, 214 average, 280 OBP, 403 slot. Bottom line, it wasn't great, but it also wasn't a nightmare. 93 WRC plus is not the end of the world. Gift or coal for Jesus Sanchez, who is going... 417. Um I am trying to uh uh look up and give give the proper credit, but apparently Jesus Sanchez um retooled, I want to say retooled the swing. Um oh, okay. uh, and kind of changed his batting stance um in the minor leagues. Uh and uh, if you look at what he did in the minor leagues, uh, so for about a two-month sample, he had 308, uh, six home runs, four stolen bases, was making more contact, only struck out 21% of the time. Um, I'm kind of excited about Jesus Sanchez. Uh, the problem becomes, where does he play in Miami? Um, the outfield? Well, they got that's, Avi. A, that's a pretty crowded outfield. Their new manager uh, just mentioned or just said that he expects Brian De La Cruz to get 500 plate appearances in center. I'm chill with that. So uh, Avi, De La Cruz, and Sanchez. What What about Soler? What about him? DH. Uh, what about JJ Blade? What about listen, John Birdie? Okay, whoa, 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 wait. First off, John Birdie, get real. He's a utility guy. Let's be. I'm, I'm serious. Like, let's be honest about John Birdie. I'm He's just not saying, a good player. Like, there's he, a lot of there are a lot of guys. There are a lot of mouths in the defense. But John Birdie is not one of them. Like over Jesus Sanchez, not in the slightest. Like and he'll he'll play second as soon as Jazz Chisholm gets hurt. So like, he'll bounce around the infield. But or, like or my Wendell, concern yeah. for John Birdie is is literally non-existent when it comes to somebody like Jesus Sanchez. And in fact, I would go so far as to say winner, that John Birdie. He was, and that's awesome. And if you're drafting him at pick 237 this year, good luck with that. I mm -hmm. think that's a wild overdraft. You could not pay me to draft him there. Like I, 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 I don't see it. He has to find that lucky playing time again. Me, you could pay me to draft him there, as <laughs> long as it's like the amount of the buy-in. <laughs> Just give me a free league to do yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. Um. And like I. I'm, I'm hating on Bernie kind of hard here. It's not so much Bernie. It's just like the 41 steals are so alluring. They're not happening again. There's no shot. Uh, I, I shouldn't say no shot. There's, it's not zero. It's not zero. It's not zero. I know. I know. I know. But like, no, I'm not paying full freight for that guy. Um, and I'm not worried that he blocks off Sanchez in the slightest. Now, Blade, look, I almost put Blade on this list because he's also a gift or Cole question mark that I think a lot of people are going to end up saying Cole. I'm a Blade guy. You know, I am too. We've been pumping him up, but we are in the minority. Not a yeah. lot of folks are interested in, in JJ Blade. He put up a 72 WRC plus in his 238 plate appearances, 167, 277, 309. The only good factor there is that he had a 110 point average OBP split because he did walk 13% of the time. Five homers, four steals. I'm not fully out on him, but again, I don't think Blade blocks off Sanchez. You mentioned Sanchez getting better in the minors and changing some things. There's to me, there's no way they're not going to be committed to him 
um, with Avi, who they paid money for. So he, that money is going to help him. And he's slimmed down. He's, they're saying all the right things about him in the offseason. He's going to get his chance. De La Cruz, I agree with uh, yeah. giving him a chance too. But I think Sanchez is that other guy. I think Boudet is the one that's in, on the outside looking in. And Birdie's a super oh, util. For sure, because um, Sanchez doesn't have any options. So Sanchez has to be on the 26-man roster. So he's going to get that chance. Yeah, I think I think Boudet starts the year in the minors. I think Sanchez is in the majors. I think he's given an opportunity, and I really do like him. Uh, you know, especially he's, he's a guy I'm going to watch really closely in spring trainings and kind of watch the strikeouts, uh, you know, to walk ratios. Um, and, but if those are on point, like, I don't even care if he doesn't hit for power in like yeah. you know, there's plenty of power in that bat. Um, he's going to be a huge target for me. Uh, so. yeah, I'm, I'm with you, man. I was in on Sanchez last year. It flopped, but I'm not out here. No, yeah. I think he's a gift at that ADP and I'm, I'm certainly comfortable taking him. Let me give you some context of guys around him just so we know, uh, what, what's there. It seems like we're taking Sanchez, but he is going around the likes of your boy, TJ Friedel. Right there, put pick 415. Aled Diaz, Will Brennan, whose uh, playing time is not looking very good. Okay, here's here's one mm-hmm. um, in a very similar vein in the same state. Josh Lowe at pick 408 or Jesus Sanchez oh, that, at 417. Jesus Sanchez is not good. Josh that Lowe. Goes. You're out on Lowe? Oh, absolutely. Okay. I'm, oh, I'm, I'm not even saying it like I'm so in. I'm, I'm just surprised. I didn't know you were so oh, definitively yeah. out. I'm sorry. Like, do, do tell. Do tell. He just strikes out too much. He swings at everything. You like go and look at what his like strikeout rate was in the minor leagues when he was hitting 300 after yep. being demoted. Like he, you know, he still got like a 38% strikeout rate. Like he just swings at everything. And when he makes contact, it's going to go far. But when you're going up against major league pitching, you can't, you can't do that. Like you, he just doesn't have the contact skills to make it the major league level. I'm concerned about that too. Now, now do Jared Kelenic or Kelnick, excuse me. But Kelnick has shown the ability to make contact at a pretty elite level in the minor leagues. Once. How dare you? Once. Yeah, that's he's done it though. Like Justin. there's a huge Josh has never done it. Justin, it was 143 plate appearances, my guy. You're 143. And listen, I'm not saying they're a one-to-one in the minor league strikeout rates because they're not. He didn't have as many issues coming up. Uh, Kelnick didn't as 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 Lowe did. I'm not saying they're one-to-one here, but you look at what he's done at the majors. It's dicey. It's dicey. Kelnick has like the majority of his minor league career is sub 20% strikeout. Like that is not true at all. 2019 uh, sub-20. 92 uh, plate appearances. Or Sorry, 2018 uh, sub-20. Whoa, 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 whoa. No. Yeah. First off, 19 and a half. Uh, get real. I'm rounding that up. Plus, you have to include the 51 plate appearances from the other. Like, there's two rookies. Add, add them together. It's not getting over 20%. It absolutely is. It 1,000% is. All right. Do, do the math right this second. I, I don't want to do the math. Well, because you would be wrong. No, I'm serious. Like, if Probably. it's 19 and a half for 200 plate appearances and you add 51 more plate appearances of 21.6, I guarantee that's pushing you to 20, especially because I'm not giving it to you if it's 19.9. You're like, that's under 20. Give, give me a break. But look at the swing strike rates, too. The only time there was like a really good one was that 143 plate appearance sample in 2021. And that was cool and all, but that is the clear anomaly at this point. Okay, I, I I I just went and did it. It's nineteen point nine percent. I knew it, I, I, and I knew you would think that that's something. It's twenty percent, but again, that's twenty percent's good though. Like that's really no, good. it's We're not. Like, it's not that good, especially as a in rookie ball in the minors. Like if you're doing twenty percent at rookie ball, then you're going to be projected to be mid twenty. Like that's not that good. That's not especially he, he, he did. Let's just even talk just about his triple A 15.4% in 2021. 143 point appearances. 20.8%. This year, yes. 21% this year. And what were his major league numbers? I'm saying. But like, you're going to lean on this minor league numbers when we have major league numbers. Because he's shown a track record being able to do it. It's not a track record, though. It's it's, it's fits and starts. 
It really isn't, though. It's 30% in 558 major league plate appearances for Kelnick. I don't understand why that gets ignored so that you can feel good about it's the not ignored, league. but like it's I'll, way I'll, more I'll important than it's way more important than anything he did in the minors, though, because it's in the majors. Yeah, the but that's that he's why actually he's playing, playing like top four, like outside the top 350 or wherever he's 278. Going. Nice try. All right, outside the top 250 or something. I, I love that I've got the editing ability. And it like all like the the bad arguments on my part. But like, who are you taking? Who are you taking him over in in this area? Your boy Brandon Marsh is right there. I guess you just love outfielders who don't know how to make contact because Brandon Marsh is getting picked right there. Of course I do. I've got a co-host who doesn't know how to make one. Wait, what? If co-host can't make contact too, so whatever. I doubt you would make any contact either. Yeah, I would strike out. Uh, We talked about this guy at the Arizona Fall League. Um, so not a ton has changed, but there have been rumors of, of potential trades with this team, which maybe opens up the door for Alec Thomas. Um, but if you didn't get to listen to that episode or you forgot what we talked about, mm-hmm. he's a pick 374 uh, in these in these DCs. I think the price has really come down on him. People are starting to see, okay, maybe Alec Thomas is not somebody that we should be drafting and going crazy for because where the hell is he going to play right now? Currently on roster resource, he's penciled to start in the minors, which is something that I can – totally agree with especially with the kyle lewis uh acquisition again there could be trades here but is alec thomas gift or cole at that late price point i think until we see a better path to playing time whether it be a trade for him or a trade for somebody else that's already on the team i think you gotta say cole i really like alec thomas and i think he's a gift long term uh, and I wouldn't mind taking like a calculated like gamble here and there, especially like in a DC or something like that, or even in a in a thirty you know round draft where you've got that because he doesn't make the roster, you know, uh, you can drop him right. Like you don't have to worry about holding on to him. But um, I think there is something here long term. There are some real questions about his understanding of the strike zone, how aggressive he got when he was up. Um, at the majors, the team talked about it publicly. The, like the reason that he was sent down was because he kept expanding the strike zone. Um, and, and it wasn't even that his strikeout rate was obscene for Alec Thomas. It was 18%, all, yeah. but his walk rate cut in half, it, it, more than in half. It went from 11% in AAA to just 5% in the majors. And they were like, wait a minute, you've kind of lost who you were. Uh, and so I totally understand where the Diamondbacks are coming from with that with regards to Alec Thomas. And like I said, he's not penciled in right now with Varsho, McCarthy, and um, who am I forget? Oh, Corbin Carroll. Duh, we were talking about him earlier. And then, like I said, Kyle Lewis coming in. Now, Kyle Lewis, major injury risk. But mm-hmm. he's on the team. It, you know, they signed him. They got him there. That's more depth. They, they are so ripe for an outfielder trade. It could be Alec Thomas. Uh, Varsho was being rumored. It could be him. But absent a trade... There, it's going to take some time, I think, for Alec Thomas. I think he spends a couple weeks in in AAA to start the season, barring an injury from somebody. And I don't think he's got like this amazing upside that maybe we thought I agree. he did coming up. Like I think his like best case scenario was <laughs> for like, Oh, I was going to say I was going to say Ben Attendee. Um, same player. That's the same yeah, player. Yeah, so, so that's, but, that's fine. Like, but he, but even like a prime Ben Attendee, a guy who can be like more speed. A, yeah, fifteen twenty five potential. Yeah, that's fair. Um, with good batting averages and things like that, you know, on top of a good lineup thing. Um, but the problem is when you're a guy like that is you are more of a sum of all your parts as opposed to having a carrying tool in fantasy. Yep. And so if one of those tools fails you, um, especially contact or power, you become empty in that department. So, and that's what we saw with Benatendi, right? Benatendi was like a potential 2020 guy with good batting average, and all of a sudden the power disappeared. Well, the injuries took over. And, too. Yeah, and the batting average disappeared, and you went, oh, now he's useless. Now he went from a second-round pick to not being a top 200 player. Yeah. Um, and that is the scary part about a guy like uh, Alec Thomas is because he's you know shown at the majors already that he can expand that strike zone, he doesn't walk, and all of a sudden the batting average isn't there. And you go, oh, now he could be useless. No, and there's definitely concern there. And it's one of those things like, and and using Verdugo as an example too, like he was still pretty good last year, 283, 28, 405 with 11 homers, uh, 74 ribbies and 75 runs. And it's fine. And it even, I feel like guys like this, like he was the 27th outfielder 
uh, on the uh, auction calculator, which is pretty good. But when you look at team construction with guys like this, you have to be careful because you make you need to make sure that your power is really situated, especially if you have more than one of these guys. And we talked about that with your main event with mm -hmm. Verdugo and Benintendi specifically. But if you get these Alec Thomas types and, and these Verdugo types, you get too many of them, your power really takes a hit. So your dollar values re returned might look good, but your performance as a fantasy team might not because of the categories that they deliver, or in this case, don't deliver. So be careful with this player type. It can be, it, it can be a trap because quality plate skills and good batting average, you're like, Hey, there's something here, but bottom line is it, it's not as much fantasy goodness as you think, even if the dollar value suggests that it is, if that makes sense. Agreed. Christian Pache, brilliant defender. Is he a good hitter? I don't know. Is he gift or coal? He's going to be going very cheaply. Let me see what his price is. Pache. Yeah, he is literally, first off, he only went in one of these five DCs. He's literally the last outfielder listed at pick 749. Um, this is a guy, this is a real player, Sedane Raffaella. Oh, how dare you talk poorly about Sedane Raffaella? Put me on. I do not know who this guy I, is. I don't know who he is either. I oh, okay. I thought, I thought I thought it was some prospect that you liked. Yeah, this guy, <laughs> uh, he went ahead of of Pache in a draft. Uh, they both have only gone in one of these DCs. I, a Boston prospect of some sort. I, I, I'm sorry, Mr. Raphael. I do not know who you are. But uh, somebody thought it was worth taking him instead of uh, Christian Pache. The prospect pedigree is there, but it is related to that defense, right? It was always like, this is a 100% quality, major league quality center fielder who could be one of the very best defenders in the game. But we do not know what the bat is. And this year, it was dreadful. 260 plate appearances of a 35 WRC plus. 24 years old. Is there a path to anything here? I'll tell you also, the minor league track record is not that encouraging either. Can Pache ever become fantasy relevant? It depends on what you mean by in mix relevant. in mixers where, where you're starting them in your five outfielders, 15 teams. I'll, um, I'll even I'll even go deeply, 15 team. DC, he's gonna play. And in a DC, I will take a guy at the back end of my roster that I feel pretty looks like he could be literally your last pick, though. Yeah, and, and so I will take him there because he has speed and he's gonna play. Um uh, that being said. When we're talking about his ADP being much higher than his OPS, we have serious problems. Um, like serious, serious problems. But he's free. Like he's legitimately that one you can say free. He's he is legitimately free. free. And take him with your last pick for Christian Pache. People are out. There, there is put a potential world in which he can get to 600 plate appearances. Um, That's because of Oakland's suckiness and the elite defense. Yeah. And there's a world where, you know, but, but, but at what cost, Justin? He hit 166, 218, 241. But uh, at that point in the draft, I'm just looking for plate appearances. Like, I'm oh. just looking for guys who, like, if things go right, um, you know, there's some upside and the plate appearances, like, there's a clear path, path to playing time. Like, you're picking guys like who I don't even remember the dude's name you just said. Like, Sedane um, Raphael. Yeah. S like, you're, Sedani, you're, I don't know. You're picking random people like that uh, have been like name auto, you know, auto generated <laughs> in MLB the show. So, like, yes. yeah, like, give me a guy that has a legit shot to have 600 plate appearances, um, especially if and when they do trade uh, Ramon Mariano, which should be yeah. any second now. Um, I think he's gonna maybe play you guys can get him. Maybe that could be another Actually, injury guy that for would you. be they make a lot of sense though because we need a center fielder, like because Conforto and Hanniger either can play center field. So um yeah, that, that would actually make a lot of sense and, and really go well the track record of, of injury prone guys. So uh God, what a what a what a just absolute nightmare my team is right now. Um <laughs> Just, uh, but He's as far as Pache goes, I do not think he can hit his body weight, much less mine. Um, but I, I will say he's a gift because of the price right now. He's free. He's legit okay. free. You know, I still you know? say he's cold because he didn't. Even, I, I don't even think he runs. Like his projection is for 
four steals in 300 plate appearances. Well, that's because you can't steal if you don't get on first base. Like Bingo. that's that's part of the problem. However, like he could he not be like a Rajay Davis type? Like I don't think he's going to be a base runner, so I don't know. I think Rajay Davis is a way better player than Christian Pache. From oh, fantasy I, 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 I agree. I agree with that as well. But like I, I hear, I, I hear you guys are last pick because he does literally yeah. free. I think we throw the free thing around too much in the fantasy community. But for Pache, literally, free. I don't think we throw it around enough. You're wrong. You're one of the key offenders, by the way. You're right. like, oh, right. uh, he's going to pick 132. That's free. That's free. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. So the let's second round pick. That's free. That's free. Let's let's end on somebody who is not as depressing. Uh, Bryson Stott. Now he wasn't quite as bad as the rest of these dudes, 10 homers, 12 steals and 466 plate appearances, but it was only an 84 WRC plus 234, 295, 358. Um, not a whole lot to go off of there, but learning on the job kind of thing. And I gotta be honest, you know, I'm still, I'm still pretty keen on this guy. I, I, I still think there's plenty of upside here for the, uh, for the 24 year old or 25 going into this year. I don't think this is full on Scott Kingery situation. He was Christian Pache levels of bad to start the season literally had a 330 OPS through May. Now it wasn't two full months of playing time. It was sporadic playing time, but it was very, very bad from that point forward from June 1st forward 719 OPS with all 10 homers and all 12 steals. He didn't, he hadn't done anything to that point. That's not too bad. Second and short eligibility. I think there might be something here with Bryson Stott with where he's going which I will get you that pick here in just one second. Pick 227, is that gift or coal for Bryson Stott? It's absolutely a gift. Um, I think Stott is dual eligible uh, at uh, second and short. With Segura gone now, he's got a full path to playing time, which uh, was something that could have been an issue, um, you know, with Trey Turner coming to town. Uh, he makes really, really good zone contact. Uh, those numbers uh, that you mentioned from June 1st, during that time, he had a 91.4% zone contact percentage, which is pretty elite. Um, yeah, I I really like Stott. There's some power. There's some speed. He's buried in that lineup because that lineup is so good. So he's yeah. going to be batting towards the bottom. So you have to attack that's okay. for that. Yeah, I, but, I think that's helped in the price, right? Yeah, I think that helps in the price. Uh, and I, like I said, I love that dual eligibility. So, yeah, I'm, I'm all here for, for price and stock. Yep, I'm, I'm taking the chance. Again, two dreadful months really weighed the numbers down. 719 OPS isn't getting anybody to go crazy, but it's it's a lot more palatable than 653. Um, let me ask you, between just between him and his teammate, Bohm, a, a player that we've definitely propped up here on the channel before, uh, who do you like better? Oh. Bohm, by the way, is uh, 178, so he's a good bit more expensive. Yeah, I think I'm going to take stock because of the price difference i think the price speed outweigh the third base of it all for me which yeah. is what bomb i don't Bohm think third has. base is as bad as other people do I really you do. are definitely wrong uh correa does not fix it but yeah it it, it there's cliffs man there, like, there's cliffs but they're cliffs at every position like not like that I, does any other position go from pick 90 to 150 between eight and nine the way gunner henderson and jose miranda go i don't know man that and just be what I think I think that's more a matter of um well there's another cliff before that it goes from Arenado to Bregman 34 to 78 like that there are clear cliffs at third base I, I I'm not listen yeah I just for me I care more I mean I de there are definitely cliffs and you want to be kind of wary of where those cliffs are for you but there's lots of guys going like you know Justin Turner at 315 I the you know also mentioned Isaac Paredes like you know, going. They can't be your starting first baseman or third baseman, though. I'll, I'm fine with Turner as my starting third baseman. Yeah, I mean, I don't want terrible. that, but I'm then fine. You shouldn't, with it. No, you should not be fine with it. That's really bad. All right, that's gonna wrap us up. A little game of gift to Cole there. I hope you get a lot of gifts. I hope you. I hope you get a lot of coal. All right. Well, then I'm gonna end the show. You know, it's very mean of you. <laughs> I love you, and I'll see you later. And we might do an episode next week. Um, we are dark for the site, and so we'll kind of play it by ear. I'm sure we will. I'm going to want to show you all my Christmas presents. Exactly, and I think a very large rotoware box showed up at my house yesterday. That's awesome, I, and that's I think uh, I think both of us will have availability. So there's a good chance we'll do at least one episode. But I just want in case anybody, in case we don't for some reason, it's because the site's dark. But 
I'm 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 pretty close to guaranteeing at least one F. So, but have a good holiday, Justin. I'll talk to you next week. It might be Tuesday instead of Monday, but we will we'll figure out which what, what we want to do. But uh, good holiday to everybody, and to stay warm for God's sake, because this weather sucks. Talk to you later. Take, take it easy.